Dots. I'm Dr. Latif and I'm the host of the Money Fit MD podcast. This is where we help badass women physicians just like you learn simple and effective tools to build wealth from the inside out. That way we can create wealth and bigger impact without all the burnout. Enjoy the episode. Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode with your girl, Money Feed MD. How are you guys doing? Oh, guys, I hope you're doing great. It is, what month are we in? It is March right now that we're recording this. You're probably going to be listening to this in April of 2023 or whenever you find us, but I hope you guys are doing well. Um, I'm in Sacramento. The weather is starting to change. It's really whack. It's like rainy one day, sunny another day. I'm just like, I'm just going to stop complaining because we get what we get and we don't trip it, right? We're healthy, we're alive. I love the rain when I'm at home and it's a privilege to be alive. So I do not take that for granted. And I hope you guys are doing well. So today we have a super fantastic episode for you. For those that are meeting us for the first time, welcome. This is the Money Fit MD show. It's where we talk about all things money and mindset and helping women physicians and humans in general, to be honest, have money from the inside out. I have the distinct pleasure of inviting a guest on here that I've been following for a while. She is one of our colleagues. We're in groups together and all this other stuff. And, you know, I think it was in last year was when I saw her and we had talked about some of the things she was doing. And I've been like, okay, I need to get on the podcast. I need to get on the podcast. And then I sent her an email like a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, um, you need to come on my podcast. And we're now here. So, Welcome to our Money Fit Empty show, Dr. Kumar. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. How about you? You know what? I'm doing well. I was telling you earlier that I was tired because, yo, so by the time y'all hear this, you may have found out that I have a socks company, S-O-C-K-S. So make sure you hear that very well. (laughs) The socks company. And so today, earlier today, I was doing like the photo shoot and I got my hair done, got my makeup did. So if you're not on YouTube, go on there. You may be able to see my lashes like blinking at you. I got lashes on. It's actually pretty cool. These are like the best lashes I've had done. But anyway, so I'm tired from that photo shoot, but I'm super energized and excited to be here. And I truly, truly know that this is going to be an amazing episode because of who you are, your story, what you do. But for those that I haven't heard about you, though, tell us, who are you and why are we here today? Oh, well, um, so a little bit about me. I'm obviously a physician, an internal medicine physician, trained in internal medicine and integrative medicine. And then recently, in the past three years, I've been heavily investing in land and have my own company and have a team. And then... Um, I have just pursued this entrepreneurship and the business to the path of financial freedom so that I could create the life and live the life which I was craving and trying to build for like eight years before this, since I graduated from my residency. So, yeah. Where did you go to residency? Texas Tech Amarillo. Okay. And you, when you finish residency, you're like, I want to be free? Yeah. Yeah. Really? I, I, thought, I thought because I graduated back in, in India right? Went to medical college in year 2000 year. And then I moved here in 2006, right after I graduated. So the goal was to like, you know, moving to the country, everything delayed because I had to pass the USMLE steps. I had to apply for residency and math. So everything got delayed by three years already. So by the time I went into residency, it was 2009. I lost three years with no income and all the studies. 
And then I graduated in 2012. I was like, wow, I signed six figure salary job and we moved to our dream town. I already had one child at that time. She was a year old. I was like, well, we'll have a second child. We'll live in our dream life, like dream life in a dream town, in a dream house. And as you know, it never goes that way. Otherwise, we wouldn't be speaking. (laughs) What happened? What happened to your dream life? I want to hear. So, uh, you know what? Um, So I realized now in hindsight, I remember that even my firstborn, she was a complex pregnancy and had to stay in the bed for three months. And after that, when I was trying to have a second child and my goal was to have a second child as soon as possible and go for fellowship, you know, as you know, like as we have our goals, right? So my goal was to have a second child. And then I realized that I started to deal with this pregnancy complication, this carriage which finally led to several miscarriages in between. And then the 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 second girl, which I have, finally would, I had to lay in the bed full time for the bed rest. And then she was born at 24 weeks. And then I wouldn't say I was forced to go back to work because I could have just decided, but I was almost like verbally put into a situation where, because I was on visa. So they were like, you know, do you realize that if you don't come back, like you will, you will, and I was like, and I fell into that because I felt I was so helpless. I had no other options. And well, my daughter was in NICU. I went back to work for three months. And then I real then she started to have a lot of complications, you know, when she came back home. And after that, I just kept on switching jobs to jobs from primary care to urgent care to nocturnist to part-time hospitalist, just trying to find that balance. And I was diagnosed with autoimmune health issues. So I was like, gosh, I can't survive this but how do I survive so this what what my journey was back in 2018 that's when I realized I joined my last employed position which was part-time hospitalist where I would work for a week and off for three weeks and I got a little time to breathe settle down figure out like this is not a dream life for sure but now I get a chance to redesign things you know where how I wanted my life to look like wow 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 um you know it's interesting having kids is never easy but having kids that now have complex medical issues can be hard on a lot of people and it's one of the things that people talk to me about as one of the things that actually eats up a lot of money so i'm curious were you you know did you have a working spouse did you have family support i mean you know it's easy to make it sound like it yeah, that must not have been a walk in the park. So tell yeah. us a little bit more about like how kind of what kind of support did you have and what are some of the things that you wish you had had even at that time when you were in there that would have made a difference to you? My first kid was in the ICU just for a few days and I know how hard that was. I had to be readmitted for endometriitis after she went home. So the C-section baby was in the ICU and then I got readmitted and that was hard. I had postpartum depression. So I know all this stuff is not, it's like, doesn't feel great. So I'm glad you survived. I'm glad you made it. But there are people that are going to be listening to this that are in that right now and going like, this is why I leave paycheck to paycheck. So share some wisdom from that experience with us. That was definitely a very hard period in our life because I and my husband were the only one who were living in my like this country. We have no other family members. And there were some family members who came in while my daughter was still in the NICU. And, you know, his parents came in two or three months later, but she was so complex, like, you know, and I'm okay in saying that, like she had a G-tube, she had G-tube feeding, 
and it never went well. She would gag, retch, and vomit, never tolerated any formula. So it was really, really hard. And even, even when my parents were here or my husband's parents were here, they couldn't take care of her. So it was either me holding her in the reclined position and feeding her through the G-tube or somebody else. And we were fortunate that we were able to, like, you know, I didn't even know, but at one point, right before the discharge, they're like, oh, here are some contacts and just give them a call. And then we, one of the companies were like, oh, you do qualify for nursing. I'm like, what? Our doctors never told us. Like, you know, and I didn't know, like I was in telemedicine. And they were like, no, you do qualify for nursing. And it was very interesting that how God in the universe works in your ways. I was still at work when the first nurse came to visit our house and she was a substitute nurse and my husband and obviously my husband was working from home at that time. He's an IT guy. He had no clue how to manage the G-tube and stuff like that. So this cute nurse who came in in our family while I was working, she knew I was a doctor and she was like, oh, we need to. And she texted me like, how do we do this? And I was like, oh, I was like, you know what? Naveen doesn't know, but just give me, let me call you. And then I was explaining it to her. But she just fell in love with our daughter. She just fell out. I'm like, gosh, like, how can that happen? And even though she had another client, she came as a substitute for four days. And after that, she was like, hey, I really, really love her. I really would love to continue to work with you guys. So if you want to just call the company and then, you know, I would you could request me. And then if you request me, then I can continue to be your nurse. And that's what we did. And, you know, she came to our house and she was so loving. She was so loving towards our daughter. She she almost became like a part of our family because she was there 40 hours per, you know, week. She was the one who was kind of handling the GT feeding, the toy, the playtime. And then we had OTPT speech coming on top of that. And then we had our own nanny to take care of our older kids. So even though financially things were draining out, but I, I felt very fortunate that I had that support system while I was still clearing my mind what to do next. Because my, when my parents came in, I'm like, none of them are doctors, right? So they are like, oh, you're a doctor, you need to go back to work. Like, yeah, you go to work. So it never came to me that I had an option or a choice that it's okay to just not work or let it go or just and I really think when we moved to this another town as well, to be closer to my husband's workplace, when I was diagnosed with some health issues where we were like, we don't want to waste time in traveling. We got so super lucky over here too, because the team which started to kind of come in at home. We just built that relationship. There was OT, PD speech, ABA therapy, like 48 hours of therapy at home with our nanny in there too. So there was like a full crowd and the tribe in the village you know, I really think when my daughter was born, basically, she just brought her tribe and village with her because in human power, I would have never, you know, got that. Like, you know, who gets to choose what kind of people like you get the therapist, which you get. But they have just loved not only her, our older daughter, me, supported me through very, very hard times to kind of come to terms with that. So I really think I'm blessed. I've been blessed. Yeah. So good. I mean, so good. There are some things that money can make better but there's some things that just are better and i can imagine how reassuring that must have been to you to yeah. have that uh how is she doing she's a more better she's the one who is was asking for pizza and pizza is what something which she started to eat in the pandemic when i quit working because she's very picky eater now she loves pizza she loves you know quesadillas things like that 
wouldn't eat vegetables yet, but I'm pretty happy with what she can do. What I love that. I love that. Yeah. Glad she's doing well. Please make her all the pizza she wants. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's always funny when kids don't eat and they start eating. You're like, oh, yes. whatever. What do you want? <laughs> You want rocks? Maybe not rocks, but like you want chicken. She's the one. She's the one who has more scheduled eating routine right now in our house. She That's eats so like awkward. That's so well, funny. I never dreamed that would ever happen, but now she's like, yeah, she's hungry for breakfast. She's hungry for lunch. She has a schedule and she just follows that. I love that. Love How old is she now? She is eight. She's eight. That's so yeah, good. That's so good. How old are the others? The other one is 12. I have just two girls. Okay. okay. Yeah, we are five, eight, and 10. Oh, wow. Yeah, so <laughs> awesome. That's so good. So at what point then did you even think that you could stop working? How did that even come about? Because a lot of people don't, it's a wish thing for people, but they don't think about that as an option. At what point did that come in for you? So I really think there was a point when I joined the full-time nocturnist job and we were doing this 48 hours of therapy in the daytime. And then I would stay up. And in the morning time, everybody's excited to talk about the updates. So I would talk to the therapist, go to sleep, and then wake up and do the therapy sessions again with my daughter. So I realized that I was starting to get sick. I didn't know what I was doing. I just couldn't make, like, it couldn't make any decision. I didn't know what was right or not. But in that freaky state, what I did was I just put a resignation notice. And I was like, you know what? And the resignation notice period was six months so I was like you know what let this pass and then I slowed everything down and I took a pause of like three four months and I was like you know what what am I going to do and then I realized okay let me find a part-time hospitalist job that would mean seven days of work and three weeks off and then I'll figure things out to supplement my income so that's when in that break time I was like you know what at one point I don't want to be looking for perfect jobs anymore at one point you know, that's the direction where I want to go. So it was the same year when I joined the part-time hospitalist job, started the land investing gig on the side to kind of supplement. And I knew that at one point, either this or some other business, something which I have control over would be uh, something which I would love to do to get to be free. I love it. So what other businesses did you look into or did you just did the land find you just the same way all your helpers have found you? How did that work out? Yes. I really think the land is what found me because <laughs> we knew an acquaintance who was doing the land and was successful. And then at that time, I started to have like more time, right? Then I was like, okay, let me listen to this podcast, this YouTube. I tried to self-educate myself, like spent all that time. And I just kept on hearing this guy just kept on you know, doing more and more deals. So I was like, you know what, how hard it is. Like, you know, let's just kind of take a DIY course and just follow the steps. And that's how it kind of started. I never tried any other business before this. Um, Yeah, no, I think it just kind of came to me. And I was like, you know what, if it works, then I'm going to make it work and do and learn whatever it takes to make it work. And how has it been for you? It's been awesome. Life has been awesome. I really think initially when I started, you know, I was able to see the results right away. But as you know, whenever we start any business, we start to kind of get the burnout. You see the results, but you notice the effort and the time spending. 
then at one point um, I realized that I need to kind of work on developing more system, you know, more have more team and more structure. But right now I'm able to kind of have a great business which runs pretty much on its own with my help at certain spots of the business, which I kind of love. So I'm still able to enjoy my time, free time, which I can spend with her or even on my health and not overwork. Yeah. So for those that are listening, they're like, what does that mean? We've heard about real estate, but what is land? How does land make you money? Tell us a little bit more about, tell us a lot more about that. <laughs> so, so the model for the land, what I use is basically what we call is land flipping. So basically you would buy cheap and sell, you know, at a market price or under the market price. And for people who are in the real estate, as you know, like you could do the bird model or house flip, but you buy a house and then you have to remodel and do all the things and then sell it, right? So that makes it a little complex because you have to kind of manage the team and renovation. But here we reach out to the sellers directly with our marketing attempts and we come up with the, you know, the price which we agree upon. And then we get the property in contract and we sell it under the market price just so that we are able to kind of sell it at the in the shorter time period. And that's how we kind of make our margin and profits. And I do it pretty much mostly virtually by evaluating the market and the properties, everything by the phone calls, you know, somebody else going to go check on the property. So I don't have to kind of step out of a house. And when I do it with a team, then they can take quite a bit of calls and stuff like that. And I can do my part even in the middle of the night, if the need be, right? Like, so, so that this provides me that time freedom, place freedom to be able to kind of, you know, just work from anywhere. And the income comes in, even if I'm at a holiday or I'm sick on bed, which happened recently. Oh, yeah. Got yeah. it, got it. And so let me understand this. Our, what you're saying is I could say I want to buy land. And how do I go about finding land? Is there a website like Zillow for land? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so there are websites where you can find lands like that listed by either for sale by owners or some wholesalers, the kind of the work which I do, or some uh, even realtors, you know, there are sites. But what we do is rather than pulling or property in the market, I notice that if I'm finding the property in the market, then I'm the one who is searching, right? I cannot delegate it. Or I may be able to delegate it, but it will be very hard to kind of find that person who would understand what the acquisition criteria is. So what I notice is it's better way to have a sustainable structure around it. And then what I do is right now, you know, it's a public record to just kind of pull up the data for whoever owns the vacant lot in whichever county and state. There are different ways to get it or there are third party companies who will sell it to you because it's just publicly available. So what we do is just we kind of we get the data and then we kind of scrub the data depending upon like removing certain kind of characteristics of the seller or the property. And then we can directly market to them with different means, direct mail, texting, emailing, Facebook ad, Google ad, whatever. Like I've seen people even doing some TV ads, right? Like or radio ads. You can be as creative as you want to be. And then you have those people calling you that you know because if those people were really interested in selling their lots with the realtor they would be listing it with the realtors but listing it with the realtors you have to pay them commission you have to find a realtor and sometimes it can be hard not sometimes and most of the times it can be hard for uh you know to find a realtor who would be listing your properties and things like that so when somebody gets a you know like a call to action like hey call us if you're interested in selling, we do get not a lot, but yeah, we do get, and it's kind of predictable, you know, ratio where you start get our getting our like, you know, the phone ringing, and then we converse with them, 
we do our due diligence on the property and we come up with an offer price and we see if we agree. And we obviously are trying to kind of find under market price, right? So that we can make our margin and profits. Mm, so. so it's very direct to consumer is what yes. you're doing. That's yes. awesome. And when you find the property, so it's more of buying below market value and then mm -hmm. increasing the value. So is there, there's no rehab or optimization of the land? Yeah. So usually you would notice just the way the houses are kind of appraised, like, you know, we pay taxes on our current county assessed value, right? Like, you know, on each property, we, we do that, even for the weekend lots. I really think counties change the prices of the houses way more than the vacant lots even though they get updated they are not up to the mark so they would be like hey i don't know how much my property is worth but in my county paperwork it says twenty thousand. so if you pay me twenty thousand, you there you go you can have the one and we do our due diligence and we always kind of find that discrepancy in most markets, if not 50% on more market, that there's a discrepancy between the what the county has assessed it for and what the real value is. And that's how we are able to, even without, you know, upgrading or anything like that, we just get it under the market because what the county assessed is. And then we know that the, in those markets, when we did our initial marketing, that it is the, the uh, there is a gap between the market price and that county assessed value. So that's how it kind of works out. And a lot of times also like sellers do not even think about that. That's an asset sitting there and they're just paying taxes. They don't care about it. As long as they don't have plans to build, they're like, you know, yeah, I'm willing to sell. How much do you, how much, how much are you going to offer? Yeah. That's true. And then how do you find your own seller that you're going to sell to? Oh, you meant buyers. Oh, like, but yes, you're the seller. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we do the same things. We use a different marketing channels. I've not used a Facebook ad yet, but. I've done the Google ads at one point. I've done even the Facebook ad at one point. But yeah, there are multiple websites where you can be, you can pay for a subscription and you can, you know, acquire certain spots where your properties can be listed on the top or some premium spots, some signature spots, some magazines out there. So yeah, that's how we usually would do. And we'll also put it in the mar Facebook marketplace. I see. Is, what yeah. the average amount of time that it's taken for you to sell a property? It's been changing in the market because the market has been kind of dynamic. Initially, when we started, we were able to kind of sell it within three months. But right now, I noticed like 50% of the properties could get sold in three months. And some can stay a little longer, especially if there are certain issues. But, you know, as long as I know I'm going to be profitable, I'm fine with waiting on those properties as well. So I would say three to six months. That's awesome. That's awesome. On average. And you're not doing longer. anything during in the middle of maintaining the property. You're not, there are no tenants to deal with and things like that. Yeah. At the most, I think we have had a few properties. There was some trash in there and we were like, oh, either we find somebody to clean the trash or we find a buyer. And we gave a discount to the buyer and he bought it. So, <laughs> yeah. <I was> like, <laughs> it worked out. It worked yeah, out. It worked yeah. When it comes to uh, taxes. Mm -hmm. How does this work? Because, I, you know, with house flipping versus buying and holding, there is a difference when it comes to taxes. How is this from the tax perspective? Yeah, this is going to be as good as like house flipper or any W-2 income as an income. But we also have quite a bit of expenses attached to it. And I also like to have a rental portfolio, which I built side by side. So while I was doing this business, I think we also bought 16 doors. So that uh, because I'm on rep status, I qualified for that. So I was like, okay, yeah, we'll be saving taxes on that because I definitely wanted to kind of maximize the whole team. So I didn't want one 
business to grow and pay the taxes on it, just like we did on the physician salary and then net with zero. So yeah, it's been a very like methodical approach where I try to kind of scale both sides of the business simultaneously. I love it. So this is an attempt with diversifying. So you're doing real estate in terms of buying properties, but you're also buying land, which is a kind of real estate as well. Um, are you investing outside of that? Or are those the two main areas that you guys are investing? So we never did any investing until we fell into the situation in 2018. So these are our two buckets. Because before that, yeah, we had zero investment. And we couldn't save much either because I was not working full time. I was always hopping hopping the jobs and I was off the work for three, four months. So uh, yeah, we didn't have much savings to invest, honestly, I'll be honest with that. I was not that savvy. And, you know, I, I love your transparency about that because a lot of times what I find is people think that it takes forever to become financially free or have diversified income source. It does not take a long time. What takes a long time is us thinking about it and perseverating. But between when you start to take action and actually making sure that you're positioning yourself in spaces where these conversations are happening, the time between that decision and actually once you take action, it doesn't take a long time. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Right? Because that's surprised with this, the two, like this fact that, yeah, it doesn't take that much time. But earlier, I was just not putting attention into it. But once my attention was focused that this is what I want, I'm not looking for another perfect job. I'm looking for financial freedom. I really think that kind of helped and changed everything. And it's definitely doable within just a couple of years. Yeah. What was your, I know you talked about your daughter, but you had other motivations as well, because that's the thing, right? Your, your daughter, you had been going through that for a while, but you didn't decide to take the leap like what was it there was something else or at least other things that cost you or motivated you or what was it that made you take the leap well yeah that is something which is definitely very close to my heart I do not talk much openly but I'm pretty open and talking about that so I have lupus and it affects my lungs with and it's called interstitial lung disease and I think right when I had joined this part-time hospitalist job there was a lady who was 42 years old, two years older than me, and I'm 42 now. I was like, you know what? And she died in the hospital after coming repeatedly for three, four months. She would just come in. And as you know, after one point, like, you know, the hospitalist is admitting them, pulmonologist doesn't want to consult because like, oh, she's deteriorating. She needs to go to the palliative care, you know, and eventually she died. So that was something which really kind of shook me that, you know, it's real. Like I cannot be just ignoring this and just kind of pretend that everything is okay or find myself another job because that was not the solution. My solution was even if I was sick, I was going to be in the bed or like if, if, if I'm not there, then my kids are going to be fine, you know. So that was definitely a deeper motivation that I need to do this. Like there's no other option for me and I'm going to do this. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. And I think it's it's just the importance of having a why yeah. and a why that gives you such strong convictions and make it seem like, a, I don't have a choice, but to, right? Because a lot of times we're like, but you had, uh, you had reasons, you had enough reasons, but you didn't, right? Until you decided that you had no other choice but to, right? So I guess for our audience, the question is, what is it you're giving yourself a reason to opt out of? 
right? A lot of times people talk about, oh, I want to have money. I want to learn how to invest. I want to grow my finances. I want to grow a net worth. But we, we are able to ignore that need that we have because we keep giving ourselves like an opt out of it. And for you, that's literally what you just described now is that giving yourself the chance to just say, you know what? I'm not giving myself the chance to talk myself out of it. I'm going to take the leap. And for you, that may be looking at what your money is going. It may be signing up for a program. It may be getting a mentor. It may be diversifying. It may be getting a new job, maybe quitting your job, right? It may be, right? What is that thing, y'all, that you're sitting down on that you're telling yourself, I don't have to do it now, but maybe you should do it now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share with our people that you think was helpful for you um, in terms of being able to get off the, not a literal couch, I hope, but <laughs> figuratively, because your life was busy. So it wasn't like you were not doing stuff. You were surviving, but you mm -hmm. just were not thriving, if that makes sense. Yes, because, you know, this was very intentional because I was like, you know what, as long as I'm alive, I want to be fully living that life. Like, yeah, it was an initial passion of mine to be able to help others. But I was like, you know what, my daughters, my family, and I deserve that too. Like, we deserve to live life on our own terms, right? And I always felt this restlessness where I felt like, oh, I would be, I was looking outside me, not within me, like what I was trying to kind of grow and do. Once I kind of started to look within me that I already had all the power within me to kind of change my situation. It was not my employer's fault who didn't think that my schedule, which I was proposing, was not working out. I really think I needed to kind of create that for myself. And I've noticed that after I followed that, you know, instinct, you know, our life has been way calmer. My health is way better. Like, even though I had to do the whole integrative medicine fellowship for that, but who cares? Like, that was money well spent. And, you know, I really think it was just worth just kind of following the gut feeling that something doesn't feel right here. And sometimes it can be easy to just blame other people. I remember even like, you know, in marriage, the more close other people are, I was like, you know what? I, like, to my husband, like, if the finances was not in the right place, like, this is your Right. Like initially we like, OK, this is not me. This is you, this and that. And then eventually I realized like it was nobody else's fault, but I needed to create my own path, which is going to be very individual for me. And I, you know, I can just decide that path and I take it. It might be a little painful, uncomfortable, and I wouldn't know where I'm going in the dark. But if it didn't follow that path, I wouldn't feel so calm at peace not have this freedom, which I was kind of looking for. So I really think, you know, we need to kind of pursue that instinct. I love that. I love that. And for you, you knew that something you could do from home. You could do mm -hmm. lying down. That wasn't going to yeah. exert your energy. You built yeah. a team. You learned the process. Yeah. So you did go out and learn what you needed to learn. And then you took action. You built a team and you've been able to leverage what you don't have which may mm -hmm. be flexibility to, or, you know, interest yeah. in moving around, interest in calling people. And I think those are some great, great, great tips. This has been so good. This has been so good. So if someone wants to learn about land, because I truly am a huge fan of diversifying income source in a way that doesn't extend to more time for money, what yeah. can you suggest to, or where can people find you to learn more? Yeah. So recently there have been lots of people asking me this question. So I formed this group, which is called Land Investing for Physicians. You can join that. I do lives over there because that is kind of easy way to convey the message. 
And uh, so, yeah, you can find me there and you can message me on the Facebook Messenger as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. This has been so, so good. I I just love your story. I love the power of our mind when we make a decision to say, I am ready to do something. But I also love the fact that you didn't try to fit into any molds. You created yours. You're like, what do I need? What needs to happen for my family? What do I need to be well? And then you created that. And when you match that, and now here you are sharing the good news of how to do that and how to buy land and all that good stuff. So thank you so much for coming to hang out with us. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everybody. I hope this has been helpful to you. Remember, if you want to learn more, go find her Facebook group. Go join our Facebook group so that you can learn. Listen, I don't care. I don't care what's going on in life. I don't care what your past is. The bottom line is here is where we are. And I don't want y'all telling me you've been thinking about having money for a long time. You're thinking about it. It's not the same thing as you doing something about it, right? And a lot of my women, uh, a lot of our audience, actually, there we have many women physicians. We have people that are not physicians. You can also learn how to do the stuff, right? There is no one size fits all. And I always tell the people in my program, you know, I have the Money Fit MD uh, community with the club that we have for money on women physicians and it's sort of like those women are already successful at being in medicine and now they're just deciding that they want to be successful at other things so my point is yes you've had success in one thing you can have success in another stuff don't let your success in one thing be the reason why you're talking to yourself out of figuring out what else you can be successful at so i hope this has been a kick in the pants for you guys make sure you share this episode for those you love and remember to leave us a review by doing that on Google or on podcasts or wherever the heck you're listening to it, whatever you listen to this episode so that we can get this information and share with other humans in this world as well. So thank you all. And I will see you at the next episode. Bye-bye everybody. If you have loved this episode, I would love it if you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps us get this content to more women physicians. This is a money revolution, and I'm so glad that you're part of it. Thank you for listening. Bye.